Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman, Miss PK. How are you tonight? Oh, absolutely fantastic. I read that someplace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you did, and me too. (laughs) It's hard to feel fantastic with what just has been going on, but we're going to do our best. That is for sure. Well, we're taking a look at a lot of crazy things going on, and the most important thing for us to really take a look at right now is September is a review of the entire year, and it's a five-year, so it's all about major changes, good to bad, bad to good, but it is a month where things, you're going to see more accidents, and I just have a, a, a radio thing that I pay attention to, and there's at least one or two accidents within the perimeter of where I live every day. And it's people just aren't paying attention. Everything's being done in a hurry. Haste makes waste, but they don't care. They're really going for it, thinking it's going to be better. But it's really difficult because with what's going on right now, there is need for people to kind of put the brakes on a little bit and pay attention to what some of the things that are going on around us. People are going to feel very restless. They're going to feel like, hey, there's so much coming at them, they don't know how to slow it down. And it takes time to make changes, and those changes are going to be quite important as we progress. But right now, nobody knows which direction is up and what's going on in the world at large on top of what our personal things are. People just don't know what to do. Change is all about what we're doing regardless of how our personal stuff is, because whatever your birth year or your personal year is right now, this month is identical with the changes that are going on. There's no easy way, folks. You're just going to have to hold on to the side of the boat and pray to God you don't go overboard, because nothing looks like it's going to happen in a positive way for a bit yet. Next month might be a different story, but for right now, don't count on anything, except don't count on anything. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think about our interview last week with Jeff Harmon, <clears throat> again, mm-hmm. a friend of yours and and also a very good astrologer. And it was not encouraging. And, and as I pointed out to everybody in the audience, and I'm going to say it again, last year you and I, we had... Jeff on, we had Maria on, and we had William Stickevers on, all mm-hmm. three great astrologers that also very intuitive people. And we warned everybody, did we not, 
we warned everybody about the consequences of voting a certain way. Of course, everybody has the right to vote however they want. But we came with armed with three really good prediction people. And we also had our own experiences and thoughts and th- mm-hmm. that did contribute to what we had to say. We took a lot of heat for it. However, as we look around today, especially what has just gone on in Afghanistan and will continue to go on there, I think so a lot sad. of people have changed their minds and it's too late. So it's unfortunate, but we did our best. We put it out there. We knew that some people were going to be angry with us, and they were, because it didn't support what they wanted to do and mm-hmm. how they thought everything was going to turn out. But we knew it wouldn't turn out for the good. So, no, but right now we have to pay attention to the fact that everything is about change and doing things in such a hurry that we are setting ourselves up to make mistakes. We have to slow it down and really take a look at each step before we take it. Think of it's like walking on uh, eggshells. You have to pay attention to where you are or you're going to crumble along with some of the things that are happening. Scattered energies are going to pull us down if we don't pay attention. Life can be very complex right now, and the best we can do is be patient, make things happen in a positive way. Everything's being done in too much of a hurry, and that's why we're going to get in trouble. So get a focus, slow it down, stay mm-hmm. as grounded as you can amongst all of this. Well, now think in terms of whatever you've been going through all year has been shoved in this one little basket and dumped on our table as of this month. Right. We've got it all right in front of us. Shake, rattle, and roll, and we're going to be doing a lot of praying as the year goes <laughs> on. Yep, sure. I also I wanted we're, to we're, mention... This to everybody, uh, we've started contacting the people at Farsight. If you haven't heard from them, or heard of them, I should say, they are a very, very good remote viewing group. And they've taken on some big mysteries, and it's very impressive the way they approach this. So I do encourage you, take a look at some of their videos on YouTube. And we're going to have someone from Farsight on the show to talk about the Mm -hmm. things they're finding. A lot of it is very ET connected, and they have some really good information on what we should be doing to weather this storm. So uh, we're going to get somebody on from there, and it'll be a fascinating discussion with them. But in the meantime, do take a look at some of their YouTube videos. I think you'll be very impressed. And... I did want to share something, another mystery that you may or may not heard about. And this is about a mother, father, and child, baby, really, one-year-old. They were hiking in California. And they were hiking when it was pretty hot outside, which I don't know why anybody would do that, but they did. Oh, and they had their dog with them, too. They were all found dead. And nobody can figure out how they died. So this is a huge mystery. So they went hiking on the morning of August 15th. It was 109 degrees. Oh, wow. And yet they went hiking. Like I said, I don't know why. Um, But anyways, when the husband didn't show up to his job, as a software engineer, a friend reported them missing. 
And then they were found deceased on the trail about one and a half miles from their car. So they weren't even far from their car. And there is no clear cause of death. And the autopsies have not turned up any clues. And the toxicology reports are still pending, but they don't know what happened to this family. So they ruled out weapons. They ruled out chemical hazards along the Savage Lundy Trail, which is where this happened, as potentially causing their deaths. None of that uh, could be uh, considered. It didn't happen that way. So there is no apparent cause of death. There is no smoking gun. There is no suicide note. Nothing. So they were so concerned about this that they closed the entire trail just as a precaution. So they feel there may be some unknown hazard in the area. And so they have closed it until they decide it is safe again. Very strange mystery. I know uh, Mr. Paulides is on top of this one. And this is a very unusual situation. So this sounds like a missing 411 case to me, unless something comes back in the toxicology report that can really pinpoint what happened. But for the dog to die too, I mean, this is all bizarre. So this strange thing going on right now, incredible. Very strange. So anyways, we'll keep you posted if we have any inside news on this, but this was actually reported on mainstream media. Um, and that this trail has now been closed. So if we hear anything else, because you know once in a while people on the inside will give us a call and fill Mm -hmm. us in, then we'll pass that on. And as you know, we were also watching closely what was going on with the observatory in New Mexico last year. And the Belgian tourist who was found dead, and his body was never released to his relatives. And my inside people said, we're not even being told what happened. So that's still a big mystery of why they shut down that entire observatory. They evacuated the town and didn't tell the sheriff what was going on either. Black helicopters circulating overhead, and nobody outside of whatever branch of the government that was, whatever alphabet agency was involved, nobody else knew what was happening, and we still don't know over a year later. So, anyways, another mystery raises its head. So we'll let you know whenever we find out if we do, in fact, find out anything. And you can't even count on them telling us the truth if they do find out anything. <laughs> I know. Usually our people do tell us what they know. Yeah. But, but yeah, oh boy. We, can't, we, we can't trust uh, mainstream to do much. But anyways, tonight we are going down the road of past lives with a Mm -hmm. great guest who's been on the show before, Dr. Shelley Kerr is here tonight. And we're going to talk about past lives and healing and lots of fun stuff and how you can do this yourself. This is going to be exciting. So let me introduce Shelley. So for two decades, Dr. Kerr has worked with thousands of people around the world, helping them achieve greater peace and happiness in their lives. A world-renowned past-life regressionist, Dr. Shelley's method of combining energy work with hypnosis 
has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including near-death experience pioneer Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. She received her Doctorate of Philosophy in Parapsychic Sciences from the American Institute of Holistic Theology in 2001, and she has a great new book that will be coming out. You can pre-order it, and it will be available in December, but like I said, you can pre-order it now, and it's called Blast from the Past. What a great name, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So, Dr. Kerr, welcome to the show. Patricia and PK, thank you so much for having me back on the show. And I just wanted to say um, I loved the numerology information, PK. Um, that was incredibly helpful. And I heard about, Patricia, that family also. I, I wanted to ask you, because I heard that it was an algae bloom that they're blaming on that. Yeah, they can't blame it on that anymore, apparently, because it turned out oh, okay. not to be uh, connected. Yeah. Oh, geez. Anyway, it was very, very helpful information that you all had. So thanks for having oh. me back. It's We're glad to have pleasure. you, that's for sure. Yeah, this book is so exciting, and it's filled with the most amazing stories of healing and understanding. But first of all, let's introduce you to the audience more personally. Tell us all how you got started in this. Well, um, I had a very strange childhood. (laughs) Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and um, my dad was managing some turquoise mines in Arizona, so I lived out in Arizona where I know PK lives, Um, lived over in the Phoenix area for a while, and then we moved to Colorado, and when we were there, um, this is the location for one of the most famous past life regression books that was ever written called The Search for Bridie Murphy. And so yes. back in the 70s, the therapist and the client who were featured in that book lived in Colorado Springs, and my mother happened to meet them at a luncheon. And so when I was a little kid, they bought the book, she brought it back home, and we were having a discussion at the family dinner table about reincarnation. And it just struck me, even as a kid, I just said, this makes sense to me. And so when I was in my 20s, I had a a friend who was killed in a hiking accident who began making appearances spiritually and went away for several years. These appearances started up again, and somebody said, well, maybe you have unfinished business. You need to go get a past life regression. So I had a regression, and after years of having this really strange feeling of kind of grief or what could I have done differently to help this accident not have happened and all these what-ifs that people go through, the past life regression just lifted that off of me and brought me so much peace and healing unlike anything else that I had tried that I realized that I needed to do this for other people. We're glad that you That's, did. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, sure. that is so exciting. So you, when your, your mom got this book, then you got your hands on it and read it, huh? Yeah, she was just coming home and said, you're not going to believe what I, I, I met this lady. And for listeners, um, The Search for Bridie Murphy, it's a book about a woman who had really bad allergies. So sometimes, you know, if you try medication, as we all know, if it's not working, you start looking everywhere and anywhere. And so she was taken to a hypnotist to see if she could get over these allergies. And they do some guided imagery, and it's all going wonderfully. But it's not really getting anywhere. So the hypnotherapist said, look, I want you to go back to the source of these allergies. And the lady all of a sudden goes back and 
um, talks about her life in ancient Ireland, and she's got the accent, and she's talking about all these people in the village. And it was so um, accurately profound that they ended up writing a book about it. And some people wanted to debunk it, you know how people are, but, you know, I, the book yeah. made a very big impact on me. Um, and we just talked about the fact that, yeah, maybe we've lived before that. You know, that actually makes sense to my eclectic family anyway. It <laughs> <laughs> makes sense well, to us. You, know, you get ideas and feelings about things sometimes and you wonder, gee, I, I know I have never been here before, but you've got that feeling and you just don't know how to handle it. Years ago, I went through something in uh, Virginia, and I had never been out of the state of Illinois at that time. But I knew so many blocks down and over, there was a little white church with picket fence around it. And by God, it was there. And I don't know why the draw was there, but I never was able to find out. Oh, my gosh. So what part of Virginia? Well, I can't remember exactly where because we were going from Illinois to Quantico, Virginia. Oh, wow. <laughs> so in that space. Wow. But I don't at this stage. Of course, that's been a few years ago, <clears throat> a lot more than I'd like to remember. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing, but you just knew it was there, and there it was. And my husband looked at me and said, oh, you're kidding me, right? And I said, no, I want to go down and see if it's there. And it was. That's so so he cool. just looked at me. Yeah. incredible. Yeah. And there's been a number of children also, Shelley, that have been born with memory of past lives, and it's also been found that everything that they've talked about did in fact happen. It's, they're remarkable stories. I'm sure you're familiar with all of them. Yeah, there are a lot of different kinds of case histories. Um, I think it has to do with, you know, if they're so profound and if they've got good enough parents who don't just poo-poo what they're saying, you know, a lot of children really do come in with these concepts and ideas and you know, a lot of times they'll say something to the parent like, well, you know, I remember when I was big and you were little or something like that. And, and if the person goes, okay, you know, go play with your imaginary friends, thank you, then, you know, a lot of times I think that these these are things that can happen for all of us, but either we've dismissed them now, we forgot about it, someone told us that was silly, and so we pushed it into the back of the mind, but I think it's so common, you know, and I think it happens universally to everyone. And you know, wow, really? PK, she's tuned in. I mean, she's going to go ahead and drive down the road. But how many yep. of us would have thought, well, that's just silly. Let's just keep going. It's probably nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it takes some effort to be willing to follow those leads that the soul is giving us about who we were and where we were in the past. Yeah, it's so fascinating how some of these uh, children and adults do remember so much. And I know our friend Bob Luca was uh, giving us. A possible guest, and we just couldn't get a hold of the family, but they had written a book about their son who remembered being a fighter pilot, and every single thing he said came to be proven as true. It was just a fascinating story and absolutely believable. Every single piece of information in there could be verified. That's what's so remarkable to me, mm-hmm. is when you can verify all of these these particular items that children and adults can rattle off. Oh, yeah, I remember this, and so-and-so was there, or I was married to this person, and uh, it's just remarkable. So <clears throat> what I was really thrilled with 
in your book was how you also were able to link this to healing, that these types of traumatic experiences in our past lives are still affecting us today. So tell us more about that. Yeah, um, I, I just started having some really weird things happen to myself and um, finally put it together that maybe these had past life connections. And I started just interviewing people about this and realized that this is, like I said, it's a very common experience. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes we, when we show up to a place, because a lot of this happens, one of the main ways this is happening is when we're traveling. So if we travel to a place, sometimes, you know, we love it. We're about to turn a cartwheel. We can't wait. We never want to leave. <laughs> or we want to run kicking and screaming <laughs> down the street, <laughs> uh, which is kind of what happened to me. And so then you kind of push things aside and say, I never want to do this again, or this is horrible. or you know. And I think, you know, you talked at the beginning of the show, um, PK, about all just all the vibes that we're all being bombarded with right now. Mm-hmm. from world changes and all of the unbelievable circumstances that are very tragic, et cetera. And then in addition to that, I, I think that we're also being hit with, even in this, some of the things happening modernly, it, it just it's triggering something as we're connecting as a human family, this very upsetting, but it could also be triggering things from our past lives as well and things that we've experienced before. And so, you know, it, it can be very powerful and healing to, you, you kind of have to, like just like it, your example of you actually taking the time to drive down the road and go see the place is exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's being more than conscious. You're being conscious. You're, we're not just running around subconsciously. It's like what you were saying. We need to slow down. We need to pay attention. You know, our guides in the universe are giving us information for a reason and when these random kind of cray cray thoughts are floating through our minds you know do we go ahead and grab a hold of those and say wait a minute i wouldn't be having that thought if there wasn't something important happening here and when we do take the time as you did which is like i said it's one of the best examples i can give i mean which you gave us here is you have a chance to really you know acknowledge some part of your soul from some earlier time and it can be very, very transformational, especially if we were just going to say, this is horrible, this is awful, and then we just want to push it away and never see it again. But if we'll take the time to just take a, a deeper look at why we're feeling either you know, so wonderful or so horrible about something, we can just create a more peaceful experience in the life path and, and create greater joy by just taking a moment to look at what's actually going on here, which is something at a soul level. Well, it's very powerful work that you talk about in your book, and it's also very exciting that we can do this ourselves, but you also have been able to successfully lead people through hypnosis where they can get in touch with these memories with your help. And, gosh, some of these stories were amazing. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah. um, I'll start. I want to share the one that really kind of got me into this in the first place. Um, I I like to travel, and I, I do it very, um, I don't know, very, very spontaneously. I'll just show, show up somewhere. And back in 2005, I went to Russia on one of these river cruises. And as wow. I, you know, I, I, com, I combine, uh, comp- 
compile like different case history notes and journals that I keep over the years. And so I, these books that I've been putting out lately and into the future are, are taken from case studies that I've been collecting for years and years. And so I had actually gone back to an old journal that I'd written when I came back from Russia, and that was the very first time that I had actually written down in a journal something about the fact that after this trip to Russia, it was so far out. There were so many um, synchronicities. I had a dream one night. The next day I wound up, I dreamed about this little square doorknob, and then the next day I was at this cathedral in, in Red Square, Moscow, and there was the doorknob on this cathedral that's right there in the square. Wow. And, and I'd wow. had these very these feelings of being a military officer riding across the water towards the Catherine Palace and and then another we were at a monastery or something. I, I just sensed it that I was there in a procession or something. I just started having because this is what's happening then to other people. That was the first time it really hit me in a more conscious way because I was mm-hmm. in this work. Um that that you know you're in a modern surrounding, but yet all of a sudden you're being bombarded in your inner mind by pictures, thoughts, feelings, and full-blown scenes of things that are not happening in your current reality, and yet they're so real, and they're pulling you back to these things that have happened to you in the past. And so I made a note and I said, "Wow, you know, I think that we are definitely going back to the places that we've been before, and we must be doing it for some kind of healing." Um, and some kind of, you know, soul knowing we want to experience these things before we want to reconnect with those energies. It happened to me in Egypt when in 2000, but I wasn't yet doing this work, and I wasn't really conscious of the fact that, like, I had a horrible time in Cairo. I was having nightmares. I thought I was having a panic attack, and then I went to Luxor. This is exactly what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. I was like, oh, I love these people. I'm going to build a house. I'm never leaving, you know. And so, you know, there's there's clues that we should be getting when we start to slow down and wake up that, you know, if we're loving it too much or if we're hating it too much, there's something there that needs healing, you know. And so by the time I got to Russia, I had made a note of it. And then it wasn't until um, probably around 2013, well, no, maybe it was 2015, I had bought a travel agency. Uh, I, I was doing tons of travel, and I started realizing that cruising was a pretty good way to go because you can see a lot of different places very quickly. And so um, I was on a cruise, and I went to um, one of the stops was Key West, Florida, which if your listeners have been there, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the United States, gorgeous. Got off the ship, was feeling fine until I walked kind of into the first row of buildings, and I started just having something just hit me in the head. I felt like um, I was nauseous. I, I doubled over. Water was pouring out of my eyes, and I I was staggering around. I was with my brother. He was having a great time, so I didn't want to, you know, tell him I couldn't walk around. So we walk around a little bit, and I just concluded, well, there must be something wrong here. Like maybe, you know, this was in December. I thought, well, maybe there's some bloom, some <laughs> like mentioning algae blooms again or something. I, I didn't know if I was having an right. allergic reaction. So I went back on the ship. The minute I stepped off of the shore and got back in the ship, my symptoms started to release, and then the ship was going to pull out of port later that evening, and we were sitting at the dining room table, and I could just feel the shift of energy. Once we pulled a certain um, distance away from the shore there, I just started feeling so much better. It was like, whoa, I, I started to think, oh, my God, you know, something about that place must have a grip on me maybe it's cursed or you know it's 
you know, I don't really think places are cursed. And I said, well, you know what? I don't know what that is, but I don't like it, and I'm never going there again. And so I showed up at home, and literally a couple days after I came home, I had some friends call and say, hey, we want you to go on a cruise. Guess where we're going? Oh, no. (laughs) Key West. And I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? They wanted to go in like two weeks. And normally I'm never going to turn down. you got to be kidding me. I just vowed to never return to these places again. And so, you know, I'm a little slow on the uptake, even though I'm doing this business. I think it's very hard for us (laughs) to, like, see ourselves. I was like, well, gee, Shelley, you know, do you think this could be an opportunity for healing here? You know, what is it that's causing this? And and so I was teaching a regression class, and I had some students, and I said, would you mind giving me a regression about this? And, of course, duh, you know, I realized that, yeah, I had lived, apparently I was on a ship in the 1600s, and I was obnoxious, and I angered everybody on the ship, and they said they'd had enough of me. So they put me out on the plank, dumped me overboard, and I was staggering to the shore, and I conked out right there on the shore of what is now Key West, Florida. And so we did this big cord cutting and healing, which is a lot of what I'm talking about in the book. You know, if you have an ab reaction to anything, and you know, whether it's an object, whether it's a place, let's just put it out in front of us, cut cords, and let's see if we can, you know, neutralize that energy so that we can move forward. And then I started thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I am going to go to Key West because I have to see if the stuff that I've been, you know, preaching about and talking about, about how wonderful past life regression is, does this stuff actually work or not? You know, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is right now, and I'm going to decide firsthand whether or not this session that has been received, if it's actually going to heal the thing that came up for me or whether or not it wasn't going to make any impact at all. So I went there, I got off the ship, and then I very gingerly walked you know, knowing that, okay, this is kind of heavy energy. And I was able to put myself behind that first row of buildings that I had seen before where I first started really having a reaction and get myself really, really close to this place where I feel like was right in the vicinity within maybe even a few feet or yards at least of where I think this actually occurred. And then I was just doing some relaxation. Let's just do some deep breathing. Let's imagine that we can... There's a cord of light connecting with me with that. Let's go ahead and cut the cords, just like we do in a session, but I'm right there with the, the location and just start to bring light and just know that it's okay. And then once I did this for a few minutes, then I just took off from that place, went all over town, had a great time, returned back to the ship, and, and then I I had such a wonderful time there. It really put Key West into a place in my heart that's very special because I feel like I I got a lot of healing there, you know, and I have a very special place in my heart. And then I think about, you know, other people and thinking, well, wow, you know, how many other people are having stuff like this happen? And then they're just, you know, we do, I know I have, you know, we just tend to run away from things if they're unpleasant. We only want to go to things that are pleasant. But then we're missing out on a lot of the things that life has to offer us. So the book just goes into a lot of these different situations where this happened to once I started asking others and I realized this happens to everybody this stuff happens to everybody and we push it aside and we so often don't do what PK did we don't drive down the road we don't see what's happening we just want to run away from what's unpleasant but if we can just take time to be with that and do some healing on that then we can really make some positive changes in our life so yeah that's (laughs) phenomenal I mean and it takes a lot of guts, too. It takes some courage to take a 
look at that and go stepping into the unknown to see what did happen to you back then. I mean, the bottom line is, the happy part of that story is you survived. Even though you were thrown overboard, you somehow made your way to the shore and you survived. That's amazing. Right. And it's, you know, and we can run away from it or we can bring light to it and survive it in this life for whatever's hitting us in the head with these maybe ab reactions (laughs) and Mm-hmm. Unwanted, what, about, what I call unwanted influences. Oh, right, exactly. What about Cairo? Did you ever get to the bottom of that? Yes. Um, once I finally got into this crazy business that I'm in, um, <laughs> I ended up having a, a regression. Um, I was having a nightmare when I was there. I Just people were moaning and, oh, they were suffering. And so I had a regression where I saw that I was one of the workers who built the pyramids but I was just very, very low in the society. And I've always believed that extraterrestrials aided in that, but there was some um, kind of who, whoever I was at that time wasn't aware of any of that. It was just all mm-hmm. work, and it was very, very difficult. And so I was able to bring some healing to that as well. And and even oh. though I have to say, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about in the book is, you know, this because this is hitting people a lot while they're traveling and stuff, even back then, even though I was not into what I'm currently doing, but I was in Cairo, flew to Luxor, and I knew I had to come back to Cairo. But mm-hmm. by the time I was a, I returned to Cairo, I had at least worked out some of that initial, um, let's say, trauma or whatever you want to call it. I had worked that out in my mind. So when I returned to Cairo, even back then, I felt better about being there than I did when I had first arrived and was having these horrible nightmares. But I hadn't yet had the past life regression because... It wasn't in my consciousness to do that at that point. Right. You know, well, that's a very powerful, powerful place, Egypt. Oh, yes. When you get into other places and do different things. When I lived in Greece, we had gone down to this particular area with military. It was a beautiful area for vacationing with friends, and we had friends come in from Germany. And they were there with their children, and my husband and I were there with ours. And we were doing some walking up some of the hills, and all of a sudden, I knew I'd been there before. And so had my friend's partner the same way. For some reason, at that point in time, and that, so the last thing we realized is both of us must have been there in another time. But the two of us were together. My husband thought I was crazy. His wife thought he was Looney Tunes. But we could even feel the different things that were taking place. And oh, Yeah. So scary because you keep thinking you're losing it, that this isn't normal. But as we went through things and different things came about, to realize that these things really do exist. And then wondering, now I've often thought about having a regression to find out exactly what all took place at that time. You can see it. That's a great point because then the regression brings up more details about that. Mm-hmm. But keep yeah. going. I wanted to hear the rest of this. This is so interesting. Well, the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that made it so difficult was the fact that her husband could see certain things. Both, both, both of our husbands were in the military. And they could see different things of things of the past. And I was picking up on some of the other aspects of it, but it was all going on to tell what was going on down the road. You could feel the sense of 
of uh, it was a sense of well-being, and it was the same thing when we went to a couple of other older places. Everything in Greece is old, but I'm saying some of the older places that we I would not have thought about going to. All of a sudden, there's that draw and that feeling that you wanted to be there instead of being in downtown Athens. We wanted to go to Kafisia, one of the outer cities in the small towns. There was something there that was drawing us to take a look at what's there. And it was very interesting to see. It were things that I would not have thought of going to had this other instance not taken place. Wow. How long did you live in Greece? Uh, about three years. Wow. That's amazing. It was back in the or in the seventies, yeah, it was sixty nine, seventy, seventy two. I guess so, I'm just of the belief that you know there's not a coincidence, like that the soul really is drawn through in this you know circumstances mm-hmm. or attraction to go back to some of the places where we've been before. I just really believe that. So, well, I agree do with you that. find that with with a lot of your clients and and the people that you you know that, in fact, they do return to the same places? That's a yeah, part I mean, of their journey? This, this is so common. I mean, even even as I've talked to some friends about this book is coming out in a couple months or whatever, and, and then they'll come up with a story about, oh, well, I was in Latvia and I was walking around and I knew exactly where the buildings would be. And, you know, it, it just happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's a weird thing. of those places. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's... I, I, I first wrote a series of books um, that came out right after this Key West thing. I wrote a series of three books about this. So the first one was called Reincarnation Recollections about geographic, geographically induced past life memories. And I coined this little term I call supretrovi, a supernatural retro, meaning past, V like life, like a supernatural past life encounter that happens to us when we're traveling and then i wrote another book called familiar places and then the third book in the series was called supretrovi um and even back then which was now you know how time flies but several years ago there's just um once those books started coming out and then this book that's coming out in december is um a more expanded look at this phenomenon in different arenas and um there's just like I said, it's so common. I, you know, everybody. Some of the people, particularly in the first book, um, are friends of mine who I've known, you know, for many years. They would say, well, I, I would say, so has, have you ever had a vibe like when you went somewhere? Or, and they'd be like, you know, I did, but um, let me call you like in about a week or two because I'm going to have to really sit and think about that for a while because they've pushed it so far down in their mind as, you know, nonsensical or not, it's not important. And, of course, you know, I'm asking people questions in the survey that I'd sent out that that I also include the survey in the new book as well. Um, just, you know, has this ever happened to you? If so, where? You know, and and it's digging so deeply into subconscious memory, and I'm asking things of people that really nobody had ever asked them before. And then when right. they think about it, or they, they immediately could say, well, yeah, I know that did, but I don't even remember where. Let me think about that. And I think that these kinds of inputs, you two, you two are the supernatural girls. You know it better than I do. We're getting inputs from guides and from higher intelligence all the time. Yes. 
in different ways, you know, bombarding us with input. And so it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to make sense of some of it. Well, yeah, and it's hard to process uh, for a lot of people, and they don't have a network that is supportive of that. So our focus is we are trained to be so heavily focused on the material world that it makes it difficult sometimes to to go searching once you have these clues, you know, whether you're feeling happy or sad being in a place or, as you talk about in your book, touching objects can set it off. Mm-hmm. There's many ways that people can get in touch with past life things that really need some attention. But there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about with this because we come back into this lifetime or into another lifetime with our memories wiped for the most right. part. Some people have them intact. Most people don't. So what do you think is going on with that? Because we've heard a lot about this is a prison planet. That's why they wipe our memories. And then the shamans talk about moving beyond typical reincarnation so that it doesn't happen. We don't get our memories wiped. But what is what are your thoughts on that? Why does that occur? Um, I've always just thought about the Greeks, going back to Greece again. Um, you know, they thought that we dipped into the river of forgetfulness so that we could be born here and then, you know, with the idea that maybe we're here because we want to learn lessons and we want to have experiences that would not be, well, they'd probably be a lot easier if we could just remember a few things, but that perhaps we signed up for some of these challenges and we wanted to, you know, rediscover our divinity as we go through the life cycle. So I I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, I guess I could see where I, I hadn't exactly heard people saying that we are a memory-wiping planet, but I could see where that could definitely be a possibility. Um, I've just kind of always thought of it, I try to think of it as a positive. I mean, we know that really horrible things happen um, all the time, and we don't understand why, and there's no justification for it. And I guess one of the things that probably caused me to resonate with the idea that maybe we do live again, and we do come back again, is that for me personally, you know, when I see horrible injustices in the world and I don't understand why things are happening, I I just try to think, well, you know, maybe there's some reason that is beyond the things that we can see with this limited three-dimensional plane that we're existing on. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily help, but for me, it's helped me to try to get through some very, you know, dark times myself. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah, these well, answers. That's why we're all here having this discussion. You know? Exactly. That's why we wanted to ask you about some of these things. Now, when you have regressed people, have you ever come across somebody who talks about lifetimes on another planet? Oh, yes. Definitely. Well, Definitely. do tell. Um, <laughs> we want to know. I've got a, in fact, I'm working on a new book about that now, actually. So, but ah, yes, occasionally, okay. yes, they're either some are um, either here experiencing like an encounter with an ET, or they're out on some other kind of planet. Lots of light bubbles in the universe lately. They go back to the, you know, I'm kind of working on this idea that we're in, you know, obviously we're in a an illusion here in 3D reality. But in order to get people to go into a past life, we have to establish some kind of construct of time that's linear in nature so that we can acknowledge a future, acknowledge a past. So, 
when people are coming in, they want to know, you know, about some issue they're having with love, health, or money. I mean, if we want to be really making broad generalizations. So we want to take them back to the very earliest time that this thing that they're working on became an issue. And I want to get them back as early in time as possible. So lots of people do lately. um, I mean, they report different planets with different kind of, um, you know, colored lights and, you know, like gaseous planets where they're just kind of floating or as an amoeba or they're interacting with other light beings and they're just floating around and they acknowledge like the moment that they decided to become more physical in nature and just all kinds of things like that. Lots of that lately, I have to say. Okay. We're going back to that source event. I don't know if that's um, collectively speaking to the times that we're in. I feel like when we go through a lot of really tumultuous times, which obviously we are, that people tend to long to be connected to source and to know that, you know, there's something beyond this. I I know that I have that connection to that and I want to feel that connection. It can be very healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, I've talked to people who have encountered ETs, the greys, and everything in between. So very interesting stuff, and I would say stay tuned for more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, and the people that have had these uh, experiences and, <clears throat> excuse me, regression, do they also have, have they uh, told you about experiences they've had in waking reality with contact? Um, some of them have. It's been a while. I tend to, um, during different periods of my career, I have these different groups of people. So right now I'm dealing with the reincarnated Egyptians right now because of my Egyptian healing books that I'm putting out. But back uh-huh. in earlier in the 2000s, yes, I, I definitely um, had come into contact with people who believed that they had been contacted and had had abduction experiences and things like that. And so they were coming in for those kinds of healings as well. And in those, I have some of these case histories even in the books that are already out, but there will be more of it in this one that's coming. But mm-hmm. this idea, when these kinds of things happen, I mean, even if we're going to meet an ET or if we lived on another planet or whatever that is that we're discovering about ourselves during any kind of a session, um, to me it's very helpful to understand that, you know, if I'm working with an ET, then there must be at a soul level an agreement that we made. So we try to get them to a space where they can communicate with this intelligence and figure out, okay, what is my purpose in relation to what we're doing and what is our purpose and and is this a soul contract and if it's for the highest good for all, then that's wonderful. And if it's not, you know, is there some negotiation that could happen so I could get released of my duties here so that this doesn't have to happen anymore or whatever. And so those, there's those kinds of negotiations that can go on in these kinds of um, sessions as well. Mm-hmm. And tell us about some of the people you've worked with that have been ill, because I saw that, especially that one story about the person that had, the man that had cancer. And tell us what happened. What did you find with him? Because if people that are chronically ill or terminally ill, I would imagine this work is very enlightening. Let me see. Um, can you tell me more of the story? My mind is yeah. filled with material. Tell, tell yeah, me the story and let he, me he had, be refreshed. He had cancer, and you, you did talk him through the 
uh, the regression, and he came out with some memories that were quite important. And then when you checked up on him, I believe it was months later, he was still alive. And he had changed his diet and done some other things to support his health. And I think his prognosis before that had been quite poor. So the work with the regression was a part of his healing. Yes, I mean, um, the one that's really top of mind is is from my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, um, which was another cancer story about a woman who, um, she had cancer in the family. This is where we do generational healing, and it's a process I call genealogical regression, but it's the same, really. It's just whether we're going into our own past lives, which we did with this man, you go back to the source event, you do healing, you, you, again, is there a negotiation, is there a discussion with someone who, that needs to be released, a negative emotion or whatever, make a different decision, and then progress out into the future where we can see ourselves living the life that we want to live. And with the woman in the other book, um, she had a family history of cancers, and so she was able to, you know, do some healing on that to make a huge difference. And so, yeah, I think... It doesn't always happen, but it can happen. Miracles are possible. You know, with a change of mindset, I mean, yes, in this case, obviously a change of diet as well. Yeah, because there's so much that that goes into creating a chronic illness. And so just correction and realignment of some things and letting go of others can make a big difference. It certainly did with that client. So I think it's, you know, this is a very important technique that you're offering to your readers, you know, to learn how to do for themselves. And also they can enlist your aid and and have a professional work with them on it. But there's there's a lot of healing that goes on with this. And I think one of the first people to talk about that, wasn't it Dr. Weiss? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, because it's it, part of it is, the person has a certain perspective when they come in, and then if you can take them into the past life experience, you know, one of the things I've talked about for years is that I'm not, I really am glad, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, that there are people with the children's stories who have actually taken the time to go back and do the research to prove that these children lived and that these things that they're saying were real, because I think that validates the whole field. But in my um, practice, I mainly concerned with how the person's interior world feels to them and it needs to be you know hopefully more supportive and feeling lighter and and hopeful and things like that at the end of the session so that you know it's like quantum physics we're looking at something from one perspective and then we pick it up and look at it from another perspective we cut the cords we let go of emotional charges and unwanted influences and then just having them view a challenge or an event from a, this different perspective in the realm of the past life, you know, is it really their past life, we could ask, or was this an archetype, or, you know, did this really happen to them? But these experiences that the clients are having are so very real to them, and they are just as real as some of the things we're talking about with these spontaneous past life memories, that when they have these encounters um, from people in the past that can be triggered from these external circumstances, then it's causing some kind of a 
I don't know, just a like a shift, and they're just done with it. That's what happened for me when I first had this done. It just, oh wow, you know what? I don't need to carry all this stuff around anymore. Okay, great. I didn't know I, I didn't know I had a choice. Wonderful. Let me let go of this stuff. Let's send blessings to this, and let's realize that the future that we can create can be filled with light. It can feel totally different, totally empowered, and totally illuminated um, once we let go of some different things. And anything's possible. It's all possible. Yeah, and you bring up a very important point about having a different perspective because, I mean, the way I look at this is even if somebody's going through a regression and they're not getting all the details, but they have this story that they're telling, that in and of itself can be healing. And I look at the work of Clarissa Pinkola Estes. I'm sure you know who she is. But for our audience, Clarissa is a storyteller, and she wrote... Women Who Run With the Wolves. And she also has a, a lot of stories that she tells, which when you listen to the story, you can absolutely transform just by hearing the story because that's how powerful story can be. And I think with regression, the same thing happens. And this is a more reality-based with regression because they're diving down into memories. However, it's the story that, that is the healing part of all of this, and it's, that's why I'm so fascinated by it. It's really exciting work. When I yeah. first came to Tucson, I ended up going to a clinic, and they had a recession that was ongoing, and they asked me if I was interested in trying. This was like 20-some years ago. And I was a little leery but didn't quite know what to expect. But they were going through some situations and they went through as they're going through the body and talking to me about certain things i had uh quite a issue with my right arm i had lost the use of it for some time back but all things had been taken care of after that period of time but in the process of what they were going through going through the past situations they they not knowing my medical history and such and talking with them they came up with the fact that at about the time of the, uh, we'll say, Joan of Arc type type, that I had been uh, shot in the back with an arrow on the right side, causing me pain in the loss of my arm, the use of it for a long time. And about the same age that I was when that took place, it actually happened to my arm again at in the uh, 60s when I had no reason... This had all come about, but they were able to pinpoint what had happened and to the exact spot, not knowing that that was an area that had any problem whatsoever. Hmm. Wow. That was the first time I had, had anything to do with regression. And it was like, wow. I, and it was kind of hard to believe that they could pinpoint things of that nature, not knowing anything, and, of course, me not knowing anything about it at all because this was totally new to me. It's always yeah, surprise. Nothing new under new. the sun is... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no I was saying that there never seems to be anything new under the sun. It just different things keep coming up from different times and different places. And as we put it all together... It's just mind-boggling that so many of these things are given to us to be aware of, 
and to recheck and to go back and to rethink things over how much we've been a, a, given the opportunity to see without realizing that that's where we were going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you brought up a point that's interesting also because you weren't as open, to, you, you weren't into regression at that point, but you no, not went at all. there. No, not But they were doing some body body work and was talking about what had transpired, what they were picking up, and that's what so threw me because I didn't know what to expect, and it certainly wasn't where they could tell me of an issue that had happened to me physically at another point in time. Wow. Let me ask you about generational healing because I know that's something that you do work with. And I'll tell you a quick story. This happened with Dr. Mary Lynch, who had a healing method that was quite unusual that she used with people. And she was working with a woman who had terrible migraines. Nobody, nobody could figure out what was going on. She came from a very wealthy family, and she had been everywhere. So she came to see Mary. And Mary immediately picked up that there was something in her background <clears throat> a generational issue. So she asked her, she said, I <clears throat> keep getting information that <clears throat> there was a man in your past, I mean in your in your lineage that had been shot in the head. And she said, yes, my great, 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 great grandfather was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, for heaven's sakes. So, God. after that came out, Mary did a little bit of work with her, but she didn't need to do much because that was what was connected to her headaches. So there's a great example of something that went on, and it was still affecting this woman after all these years. So it was a fascinating story. And, again, it, there's so much important about that generational healing, and I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I had another book come out March of this year called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. And this was another process that I developed many years ago um, when I was working with clients. I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to say, okay, let's, you know, let's acknowledge time and let's try to go back to the earliest time that's dealing with the issue that you've come here to, to deal with today. But there's that intuitive aspect as well. And if I if I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, we're not there yet. Maybe we're making some progress, but we're really not hitting the mark. Then I develop. I don't even know how this occurred to me, but I, I've been doing it for many years. I started taking clients um, out of that the past life arena into a space where they could meet with the higher selves of their mother and their father. And the reason why mm. I say higher selves is because you know any number of things could happen. We may think our parents are wonderful. We may not know our parents. They may be horrible. They may not be on the earth anymore and anything in between. So it's always at a soul level. We meet with mom and dad and we say, hey, mom and dad, do either of you need a healing on the ancestral line? And so if mom says yes, then we travel down and visit. Instead of having these visionary encounters of our own past life situations where we're meeting people as our former selves 
this time we're almost remote viewing into scenes where we're seeing other people. And when we ask, when I ask the client, so who is that? They'll go, well, that's my five times great grandmother or whoever it is. And it's really fascinating because then we can send, figure out what's the problem. So the problem is, you know, it's usually a, a war is happening or someone's injured or something emotional. You know, it's obviously they need healing, so it's normally not a good thing. But we just sit there and send light to the scenario until that scene or whatever that they're they're witnessing starts to at least feel a little bit lighter and a little bit brighter. It doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to be jumping for joy and turning a cartwheel, but can we at least make something that was horrible feel more neutral or a little bit more calm? And so we wait till that happens and and then start to bring that light up through all ancestors who lived between that earliest time and the present day. And then we start to then acknowledge, okay, notice now that mom is looking lighter, and then the client themselves can start to feel cells in the body lifting and expanding and healing as a result of that healing that occurred. Earlier in the show, you also were talking about, well, we've been talking about it, like this idea that maybe somebody wants to do some research to to realize that this little kid is talking about the place where he really lived, and this can all be confirmed. What's so interesting about the genealogical work, this hasn't quite happened for me yet, but I do have clients who... You know, they have these sessions with me and they, well, I have to back up. I guess, you know, this is something that was something that I've been using for years, but I never really publicly discussed it in any great way. Um, but ever since that book came out, now I am doing a lot of these sessions. And so I have some clients who want to, like, they want to actually send me a picture that they got off of Ancestry.com of their great-great-grandfather or whatever, you know, and they really very, very invested in this, and part of it is because of these, you know, these research websites that everybody is so into right now, that there's really a greater opportunity, because the book has different kinds of exercises where people can um, have a visionary encounter with a specific relative and or send healing and light to the whole family and, you know, healing with mothers, healing with fathers, and all kinds of exercises in there. And what can happen, though, is that Either they could, like, here's the picture that, that I pulled off of Ancestry. I want to go meet with that person. But even during the process itself, they can also then go back and go do that research in hindsight then and say, well, I wonder what my great-great-grandmother looked like five times back. Let's see if I can find her on Ancestry. You know, and so there there would, in this work, definitely be, I think, a possibility to start saying, whoa, that's so wild. I just saw that person in my mind, but I'd never seen him before in my life, you know. But it yields yeah. very huge results. And along the um, story you mentioned about the ancestor of Abraham Lincoln and the migraines, which is profound, um, there's a story in the ancestor book about a woman who had a, a birthmark. You know, And sometimes if we want to be really archetypal and stereotypical, you know, sometimes when people have birthmarks, we could just you know, make a broad generalization and say, well, maybe that's an injury that they sustained in their own past life. But in this case, the woman found out that that was actually um, an injury that one of her ancestors had sustained. It was a gunshot, but it happened to an ancestor. So what I was able to find is that sometimes, you know, exactly what you've already said, which is that that it's so weird when you think about how complex we are, which is really what we've been talking about all night, the, the researchers, like real scientists, not like Miss Woo Woo over here myself, 
um, are actually <laughs> doing real research that is saying that up to 50%, 5-0% of our personality, how we're actually showing up in the world, is directly brought through from our ancestors. So when I read that, I mean, first of all, it's mind-bending, but then it really brings to light what we're talking about, that we need to kind of be thinking about, yes, our own past lives, that's one piece of it, but we had better be sending some love and compassion and grace to our own ancestors because that definitely has a very immediate and lasting impact on our own you know, physical health, I mean, not only just because of DNA, et cetera, but really energetically as well. It's just a wonderful practice to get into sending love and light to our ancestors, you know? It sounds very, I mean, I know it's very important, and it's wonderful work that you're offering to people because it, it is true. We're very complex. We have a lot of, of uh, connections with other realities that we don't even know about. We walk into a new reality every night when we dream. So yes. there's just so much that we take for granted, and it's wonderful that you've written all these books so people can get informed about it and also have ways to work with it. So it's not just lost in the shuffle of life. Because this is important work. There's no question in my mind that what you're doing is extremely important work for people who are willing to to face things and also to offer the healing not only to themselves but other relatives. So, I mean, Native Americans talk about this a lot, you know, embracing Mm -hmm. your, your relatives from the past. That's a very important part of life. But... Again, our culture doesn't really go down that road. So That's it's right. good that you're offering it. Yeah, they don't. Um, but, yeah, um, different cultures throughout the world have been doing this for generations and mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of years, and it's just something I think we should be you know, aware of. But we we have a lot to be aware of. We know that. It's a journey, well, you know. Let me ask you and this question it. also. Um there is an, a possibility, and I've seen this happen, where people can be regressed, and when you bring them back, something has really changed in reality. In reality, something has shifted, whether a, you know the scar has disappeared or something had a different outcome. But that has happened, hasn't it? It's definitely possible, yes. I mean, I think part of it is because from the very earliest time when I first started doing this, um, I had had a near-death experience. I mean, I've had a lot of weird things happen. And when I was in that strange light, there was just some kind of knowledge that I picked up there, like just knowing that that we can send energy to people. And there's a verbal aspect to healing, but there's also an energetic aspect to healing. So when I first started doing the past life regressions, it was clear that we need to talk about things because, as you've said about the Women Who Run With Wolves book, and the storytelling is so important to Mm -hmm. helping our conscious mind work through things so that we can consciously accept it. But there's still an energetic component to these memories. So if I take people back to some life in the Middle Ages where there's an injury or whatever, we can find that, but there's an actual thought form, like there's a piece of energy that might be stuck in the energetic field that needs to be pushed away and moved and cut cords with and healed and transformed with light and stuff. And so once those 
those thought forms and those energetic blockages are healed, then it's absolutely possible that, you know, like the man with cancer you mentioned earlier, they can totally shift the course of their path. They can let go or maybe the scar suddenly seems a little lighter than it was before. And because those those energetic components are no, no longer with them, and that's when you can really see people um, have complete transformations from this kind of work when you're combining the two things. There's a lot of things that need to go into it. I think that I am also, you know, I do a lot of energy healing. I write a lot of books about that as well. I mean, and I love energy healing because it's quiet and it's relaxing. But there's still, again, there, we can't dismiss the part of the person that needs to talk it through also. So, you know, it's all it all works together um, in its time, and really anything is possible. Yes, I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we did some work with an, an historical figure that was supposed to have been dead at 13. Well, when we did this work, all of a sudden, there were some things in the news that this person lived to 19. So now for the longest time, the death date was 13 years of age. That was it. Suddenly, the death date is 19. So just think about the possibilities of something like that. You can actually change history to a point with this work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a lot people could be doing with this if they knew what they were capable of and how much of this reality can easily be shifted. So, yeah, just some very interesting things happened when we did this experiment, and it, it did shift the whole timeline. So, wow. again, if it can do that for an historical figure, what can it do for you? You know, what can it do for your clients? What... There's just so much, like you said, to this. It is complex. But as you go deeper, I mean, it, you're, it's just a wonderful experience to be able to to change things that you maybe didn't like so much or if you made this choice instead of that choice, how everything could be different. Now, how can people get a hold of you to work with you, Shelley? Uh, my website is pastlifelady.com. And then I'm on <laughs> Facebook. So I'm going to... <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't spell my last name, so I came up with Past Life Lady. I know they can spell like that. that. Um, and then I've got a Facebook fan page, Past Life Lady, and a YouTube channel. So, But if they go to that main website, they'll find the links there. Now, in order to have a regression from you, can they do that over Skype or Zoom or something, or do they have to be there in person? No, I've. you know, it's so interesting because I've been doing all of my regressions by phone since really about 2005, because um, I was on some different shows and stuff. I started getting people contacting me from all over the place. So I've always been doing it like this. It is so effective to work by the phone or when I talk to people overseas by Zoom or whatever. I feel like, you know, I know people, it's been a hard year for people because we've been forced to be locked in our homes and things like that. But this Zoom and this the phone and the communications, I feel like there's something very powerful in this process, when people are in their own home, they're in their comfy little space with their little blankies, because it allows you, you're not lost in traffic. You didn't just almost get hit, sideswiped, or whatever happened to you. You know what I mean? You're just very, very relaxed. You're in the moment. And people can go very deeply into the spaces that they need on the phone. And so That's if they go to my great. website, there's a session link. If they don't, if if there's there's times that are available, once they get you know booked up, 
once in a while I get an email going, I can't see any openings. So then, you know, then I'll open up some more each month. So When a person so, has gone through regression and such, something reminds me, somewhere in the past, what, to, did someone go through this, come out being with a uh, accent or speaking in uh, uh, another language? You know, I haven't experienced as much of that with my clientele because I don't put them into that deep of a trance mm-hmm. because I want them to I want to take them really just into alpha waves. So working with me is like listening to a guided meditation CD. I want the conscious mind still needs to be there. The conscious mind's a part of you that wants to say, okay, this is ridiculous. It feels like we're making this up. And so I talk mm-hmm. to them about, okay, you're going to have those thoughts. You can express them, but then let's let the conscious mind stand over here and let's let all the other weird pictures, thoughts, and feelings to go ahead and come out. And the reason why I keep them at that level is because um, part of this is when we get back there and we're in that past life, we're going to go to the last day, we're going to, you know, cut cords and release unwanted influences, and I want to know, like, what lessons did you learn and how does this little story that you've seen from your past, how is that relating to your current life? And, you know, we talked about stories earlier in the show. I mean, there's a story they're telling in that past life that totally relates to exactly what's happening to them in their current life, and they can tell me with great detail the exact ways that these are completely alike, and then that's when they can consciously then start to make choices. Is this something that's life-affirming and positive, or is this stuff that I need to let go of? And so then we work through those kinds of things. So I need them a lot more cognizant. But um, in that Bridie Murphy book that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, she Mm -hmm. was really going into the whole accent. And, you know, of course I've heard about those cases where people are speaking different languages and things like that. And so sometimes the practitioner would have to, you know, put a tape recorder on, Mm -hmm. you know, like on almost like an Agar Casey level because they're so deeply entranced that they won't remember it unless it's been recorded somehow. That's also that been known sense. to happen with people that have been in a coma, and they come out of the coma, and suddenly they're speaking with this accent that they never had before mm-hmm. or in another language. I think that has happened a number of times, too. Oh, yes. Yes, they've definitely gone into the between and picked up some interesting things, for sure. Now, what happened with your near-death experience, may we ask? Oh, that was another whole story. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, it was... Back in 2000, I just returned from Egypt, and I started getting this vibe um, that there was something wrong with my heart. I didn't know what it was. One night, I just I, I wasn't having a car accident or anything. I just lifted up. I just felt myself leave my body, and I went into a light, and I saw some beings in a semicircle. I saw my grandmother, who died before I was born, and it was all very non-verbally cerebral, and they told me to go back, and then that's when I started having a lot of energy in my hands. And then I, I mean, there's just so many things. That's why I've written so many books over the years. There's just so many weird things that happened. I was on my way to New Mexico, that's where I'm from, um, to work at a spa as an energy healer, and I took a nap, and I saw a blue being in my inner vision, like a blue space being. And so I showed up at the spa. I thought that I was just having a strange dream because I looked around the rest stop where I was taking a nap. There was no one there. I showed up at the desk at the spa to start going in to do some healing. And she goes, did you know there's a blue woman standing behind you? So that woman spoke to me for many years. I wrote some different healing modalities. And then I, I really always wanted to do the past lives. So then I started 
refocusing to kind of bring it back around that these things need to be combined. And so now the books that I'm writing and putting out from Llewellyn are, you know, things that have been happening over the course of 20 years that I hadn't really written about before because I got I started writing a lot of gem healing books. They were very, very popular. And so for many, many years I was I was doing that. And I know some of my people are, they weren't happy that I kind of stopped writing them for a while, but I really wanted to write my past life stuff too. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been an interesting uh, journey. and I'm, I bet, you know, most definitely. It'll so, continue, so we'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> now, how often do you do your people see pets or animals when they do their past life regressions? Do they see pets as they knew before? Yes, this was um, another book that came out was that once in a while, you know, as part of longer regressions, they go back, you know, and they're like, oh, look, I'm in France. There's my pet. I didn't know that I had the same dog then that I had now. And it, it becomes kind of like a little mini blessing in the middle of a longer session. So I put out one book called Past Lives with Pets about people who encountered their pets from past lives, um, people who believed they were animals in other lives because, yes, that's happened before, too. And then we're oh, really? with a lot of different exercises where people can connect um, with their beloveds who, you know, one of the hardest things we go through is when we lose a pet. So having visionary encounters with them to heal our grief is, is something that's in that book as well. You mentioned about gemstones. And what is, how would one choose a gemstone to relate to what the memory, past life memories? You know, PK, it's so interesting because for many years I was always writing about gems and past lives, and I, it, it took me a while to realize I feel like the gemstones, and I talk about it in Blast in the Past, that they're part of how we're connecting to our past lives because what if we can't get on the airplane and go to, you know, Timbuktu, but we can, I feel that we really are, when we're looking at gemstones, of course they're beautiful, we're attracted to them, but when we pick them up and realize we can place them on the body and they, they create energetic shifts mm-hmm. in the body, that part of that could be because we're selecting stones. Like there might be an amethyst that comes from Colorado, but there's one that comes from Africa. You know, So which one are you attracted to? It could be also geologically um, significant as well as the actual vibrational frequencies from the colors and things of certain stones that's attracting people. So... Um, I've always been big into, like, of course we want to look at it, and we might pick up two stones. One of them's ugly, one of them's beautiful, and we say, well, I want the good-looking one. But I think it's more important to go with the one that feels the best because there's a reason for that. And, you know, I've had case studies where people have, you know, held stones and they felt like, ow, this is burning me, you know. But if they just hang in there for a minute, it's probably just shifting some some karma, some unwanted influence off of them, and it kind of, it helps to raise the frequencies and lift those energetic blockages off of people in a very loving and supportive and gentle way, so. Are there any particular stones that you see people need to work with over and over again? <clears throat> Aquamarine or citrine or amethyst or any of, anything? There, I had put out, um, a book about the top ten healing stones. There's stones that are um, pretty well established in collective consciousness, like amethyst and things like that. Um, citrines are very powerful for attracting money to people, like cash money. We can put them in the cash drawer. We can put them in our wallet or our purse, and it actually attracts money to people. Um, collectively, 
I think amethyst is a huge healing stone. It helps um, relieve addictions, and it's just very calming. And, of course, metaphysical people love it because it's helping us open up our intuition, which we're always trying to do more of. And then stone that I found the most profound healing from is definitely and continues to be the bloodstone, which is a dark green stone with red flecks in it. They believe that, like, spiritually that these red flecks represent the blood of Christ and that when we lay that stone on, um, the stone will actually start losing its color because the body absorbs it. And it's very, very profound I was having some clients who had, like, a lot of different kinds of um, lung issues and things who were using it back in the deep past, but I've I've just come to know that it's a very, it's good for overall healing, and it's mm-hmm. a very good one to have. And do you recommend right. to help people remember that they put it under their pillow or do something like that? I was always having um, people carrying around little, you know, tumbled stones, putting them in the pocket where you can, like almost like rubbing stones, like worry stones. Mm-hmm. Um, like a worry and then, beach. yeah, you can put them under the pillow. You can also lay them on and then they'll just fall off. Once they shift the vibes, then they'll kind of fall off on their own. But, yeah, you can put them under your pillow. You could even place them in a room. They're still sending frequencies around and shifting the vibrations. But these things are also... You know, it's just very um, energetically supportive if you're trying to make these other changes, like all of the things we've talked about tonight, to have stones around because they're just helping you and supporting you in a very, um, you know, you don't have to do anything. You just have to enjoy them, and they help you because that's how they are, you know, and it's wonderful. (laughs) Kind of easy. We like easy. We like very easy. Very easy is good. What about alexandrite? That's such an interesting stone because it changes color. It's almost like it lives in two different dimensions at the same time. Yeah, that's very multidimensional. That's very, very rare, too, to find a a real one. A lot of the stones now, um, you know, they they make them in the lab. I used to Mm -hmm. be very against that idea. So you'll find a lot of alexandrites that would be lab-grown, but I still think there's something really kind of cool about them because when they're grown in a lab, you know, there's there can be a lot of challenges in mining sites and things, but when they're grown in the lab, they, they are just still really pure and they still have that frequency. And so the Alexandra has that, that pink and green, translucent, multidimensional mm-hmm. nature to it. It is very, very powerful. And sometimes yeah, it, it almost is. looks black and then it picks up the colors again. Very beautiful. Yeah, it's one of my favorite stones, but it does seem to have many dimensional qualities to it. So that's why I was wondering about uh, reaching past lives with by using it. And like you said, it is very rare if it's you know a real one. I think it's Russian, so, so it might mm-hmm. speak to your life. Maybe if you lived a past life in Russia, you never know. Now, <clears throat> is have. What is your most unusual experience with a client that you were working with with this? One of the coolest stories, um, this is just a general past life regression, but it's it's really... And Shelly, can you speak up a little bit or move whatever you're oh, talking into closer because you're starting to fade away. It's hard to hear you. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little better. Okay. Okay. 
Um, one of the most interesting stories from the deep past, there was a client who was afraid of the dark and was, you know, now middle-aged. And this was very um, challenging because you'd have to have the lights on all the time, just deathly afraid of the dark. So came to me for past life regression. And we took him back to a life that he lived in a farmhouse in what he described as maybe in the Kansas area. And he was a little boy. There was a, a big farmhouse. There was a cellar. He was told not to go down there. He went down there in the dark, fell down the stairs, and apparently passed away down there. And so this energy of this dark space um, stuck with him. And so we just did a clearing on it. We had him go back and kind of recreate the scene where he... He went down the stairs. We had him imagine he was going to light a candle and go down there and just see whatever it was that was causing him to be so curious, walk around the basement, come back up safely, close the door, and go back to his business. And so then we did a lot of healing around that. And then I saw him sometime later, and he said, yes, from that moment on, he was able to finally shut the lights off. And even oh I saw gosh. him you know, years later, and he was he said it was fine because it was just that quick just to – go, okay, well, I don't have to do that anymore. Great. Done. Gosh, that is just amazing. How wonderful for him. How wonderful. Gosh. To yeah. Be free of that. That's fantastic. Well, that's a great story. And, again, it just proves how powerful this work is. And if it can set you free, why not do it? Makes sense. That's the Easy key enough. to it all. And all the exercises are in these books, so people have it, and they can use it. How many books have you written, dear? Oh, my gosh. Um, over 20. Oh, my goodness. Good for you. That is a lot. <laughs> oh, my. You're yeah. putting us to shame here. That is great. That's fabulous. And especially knowing that each one is a different topic makes it even yeah. more interesting. That's right. Yeah, I like to keep myself interested. <laughs> and I'm always thinking about all these different things, so. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's a feel That's when you can great. put yourself out there and put something together that you know is going to enhance somebody else's life. Right. I hope that it does. I really, a lot of the things I write about are just things that I have used to help myself first, you know. So. What better way to teach? Yeah. I mean, I hope it helps others. You know, but it's things I've definitely used myself, so. Gosh, that's terrific. And again, everybody, I want to just uh, tell you the name of this great book has a great title, Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. And... You can look up all of Shelley's other books, and I imagine all your books are on Amazon, right? Yes. If they go to pastlifelady.com, there's a book link there. And if they want to pre-order Blast from the Past, um, if you want to just send me an email, I will then gift you a copy of my earlier book called Reincarnation Recollections. Because if you pre-order Blast, it's not going to come out until December 8th. So, And then I've, if they order any of my other books, right on my homepage there, um, I'll gift them with some 
recordings where I'm taking them through some of the guided imagery in the book as a gift for ordering the books. So, oh, oh how nice! And so the yep. Um, yep. email is Shelley at ShelleyCare K A E H R dot com. Correct. Okay, so you heard this wonderful offer, everybody. So go ahead and email Shelley so you can get your free book as you wait for Blast from the Past. That's terrific. And if you want to set up your own appointment with Dr. Shelley, then you can also do that from her website, pastlifelady.com, and they can also email you, right? That Shelley is correct. At ShelleyCare.com. Oh, and you have another email, ShellyCare at gmail.com. So either one. And again, yes, care is right. spelled K-A-E-H-R. Okay. Well, terrific. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a wonderful, wonderful time we've had with you. Thank it's you so delightful. much for having me. It's been a complete joy. Oh, well, keep us posted on your next books. It sounds like this is not going to stop anytime soon, which is great for all of us. So just keep us in the loop with your next creation so we can have you back. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Now next week, everybody, we are going to have Chris- we're going to have Christina Raspold back, and she has written a new book. And you're going to want to read this one too because it is called Uncrossed: How to Get Rid of a Curse. Now I think we all can use that right now. <laughs> what's going on in the world today? Travel. <laughs> That's right. So she will be joining us uh, for our next week's show. And until then, everybody, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Many blessings and good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.